Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, Color Grade listeners. I'm your host, KB, and welcome to the Color Grade podcast. Are you seeing all the colors? The Color Grade podcast is an always unfiltered, always enlightening, and uniquely opinionated podcast about television and film that goes in-depth with guests that give a Black, POC, or queer perspective. Stay tuned. Today is a very special episode where I am talking to actress and activist Taylor Page about her films Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and the upcoming Zola. So I am KB with the Color Grade Podcast. Thank you so much for chatting with us. I I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. How are you? I am managing. How about you? Same. I mean, it sounds cheesy, but I'm just like, look, I can breathe without assistance. I can see. I can hear. I got 10 toes as far as I've, the last time I checked. (laughs) I got it. Last night. Yes. Yeah. You know, I have somewhere to sleep. Like. I'm okay. I'm good. Yeah, that's how it is. It's just like, you know, every day I wake up and I'm like, it's day by day. So, you know, today's a good day. We're alive. Be gentle with yourself. Exactly. Yes, yes. So I actually have been a huge fan since Hit the Floor. Um, Yeah, and you were a lead kind of fairly early on in your career. So tell me just a little bit about how those experiences kind of on that show really shaped who you are now as an actress and kind of how you go about choosing the roles that you Mm -hmm. do now. Mm, Yeah. Well, you know, I was 21 when I did that show. So I was really young and... I think that when you're that young, you're kind of still auditioning for your personality. You don't really know who you are, you know? And I definitely feel like it was also at the beginning of like Instagram and like that kind of social media. I think that for so long, for so much of my life and like based on my childhood and trauma there and la 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 la, so much of my existence was predicated on like the validation from the outside in, including the show. And I think that like after the third season, after actually probably around the second season, I started to really like hone in on like, okay, like this is, I'm learning a lot and I'm learning about hitting my mark and lighting and like where to look when someone's on the side of the camera and all the technical stuff. But I also felt like I started to feel like I wanted to expand my horizons and what I was what kind of stories I was actually telling. Cause you know, my character on that was very much rooted in her relationship with these two men. And I obviously, you know, you mature and you get to know yourself better and you start to really, instead of going, instead of uh, waiting on some response from the outside and you're now going from the inside out, like, well, what is my life? And what is, what are the things I want to talk about and share and learn and grow? And, and I felt like the more aligned I became, came with myself, 
the more I just became more discerning of like, uh, I don't know if this is the story I want to tell. And uh, like things would come in and I, I think I became a little bit more particular with, and, and, but obviously becoming more particular, you, you are out of work or, you know, doing, I've done now quite a few indie films, like they don't really pay. So I would go back, I were, I nannied, I cleaned houses. I worked at a weed dispensary. I catered, I did all the random odd jobs, but those were my best classes. And I felt like I just stopped, like, you know, acting is like, I did a movie, I did this movie, White Boy Rick. And then like, in, when as I'm waiting for the movie to come out, I remember I like, my roommate worked these events and was like, wait, you should come work this event, whatever. I worked this event and I'm like, I remember one of my co-stars was in line to get into the party and like, I took his coat and I was like, what up RJ? Like, you know, acting is, it's, it's not just, it's not glam, it's not Instagram, it's not, you know, it's not that, it's work. It's, 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 um, it's a wave that you have to be, you know, professing it. I think professing your art is a sacrifice. And I think I find myself always being like, sometimes being like, I'm not curing cancer. Or this isn't really that. Then I'm like, would anyone have been able to survive without art during this quarantine? You know, how do we make sense of the world? Like, this is kind of a landscape of possibility of like connecting us and, so I feel, I don't know if this is kind of, I'm sorry, I kind of like went the other way, but this is kind of like why I do what I do and it gives me purpose. And I think the more I'm able to undo and get down to the bottom of like, oh, that's five years old. Oh, that's 10. Oh, that's stance. Oh, that's a relationship. Oh, those are the things that um, in that healing, I feel like I'm better available to these roles that really, you know, compel me to go there mm-hmm. that yeah. like really speak to you because I feel like too you know a lot of people don't realize that actors are freelancers like I'm a freelancer I'm a freelancer right. and that's really right. just what it is and so you know when you said nannying I used to be a nanny while I was in grad school so like mm-hmm. just kind of those experiences also kind of help inform your art later on in life because you never know how you can take those experiences and use them later Yes, yes, exactly. And it's funny when those things come up, when you, I think of like a character or just, well, because for me, it's like, well, the whole point is to be, you know, it's a lie because we're acting, but it's in service of the truth. And the only way I can show you truth is if I'm being honest with myself and then honest with the character. And now, now if the character is lying, that's something else. But. Right. Entirely different. But, you know, otherwise. Yeah. Uh, and so that really brings me to Desi May, you know. So like in Ma Rainey, you play Desi May and it's nice to have this production because I absolutely loved the film and I had not actually seen um, an iteration of the play previously. So this was really kind of my first go round. But what I love is how unapologetic Ma is and how like she sets the tone for everyone else around her. So, you know, Desi May is queer and she's not afraid to express herself sexually, but she's also just not afraid to express herself at all, like in general. And I don't think that we often, you know, kind of get to see these portrayals of Black women uh, in that regard in 1927. So just talk a little bit about kind of what influenced your portrayal of Desi May, um, you know, apart from August's beautiful words, of course. Yeah, oh my gosh, he's such a prophet. And he, re, I reread him all the time and it still just blows my mind how current and how he's able to sync the past, the present and the future. 
And like, he's now of, of the past, but he's so present and like us processing it is the only way that we'll be able to have somewhat of a better future. But like, I think for Dusty, I just approached her, you know, at the end of the film, I approached it as like, I was mourning a death of death of dreams, death of the unheard, death of, you know, these unsung people we probably never heard about that don't know what a dream is, you know, that their whole existence was about surviving. And Dusty to me was surviving, you know, Dusty is sure the way that she uh, professes herself seems confident, but it's actually deeply wounded. It's actually like, right on the brink of like, I'm disposable. Like if I don't, you know, have sex with Ma correctly, or I don't twist my hips or I, you know, my lip uh, lipstick isn't like placed right on, by my fingers or, you know, like I, she could say she's moving on to her next girl or whatever. And I think that Dusty is very much looking for some window of possibility of some stability of some like answer, some like, maybe if I like do it like this, she'll put me in, you know, I can be the background dancer or I can be, you know, the, I can be the, do the intro of the song. And um, yeah, she just, it's, it's actually more wounded than she lets off. It's actually really, really insecure. And, and so is Ma, cause the heaviness <laughs> is like, we're black, <laughs> we're women, you know? And to be a black woman is to be gaslit today and then. But then it's like, what are you so angry about? Why are you so overreactive? Oh, you're so difficult. We've all heard that before. It's like, why do you think? Do you, yeah. like, what do you think? What do you think it must've been like to live, to be these people? Like, you know, like slavery was just right yesterday. <laughs> like, And in a lot of ways, like Ma is, as brash as she is because that's the only way you know people will listen to her in a lot of ways you know and so we see that kind of with the white management company that she works with you know specifically they are firm in what they want her to do and ma has to be firm in her you know whatever it is that she needs whether it be a coca-cola or whatever she has to be firm in you know telling them repeatedly I don't think y'all understand that I'm not going to do what you want until you do what I want because ultimately you work for me. So it's a lot of layers just for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a lot of layers. Mm-hmm. And so what do you think that Dusty May finds in Levy? Because, you know, Levy and Ma are similar in their sense of ambition, I want to say, yeah. but their approach is very different. And I think that's what causes the friction. And then yeah. you may kind of in between them. So what do you think that she learned or takes from Levy on this journey? Um, I think that Levy and Dusty are both, they both feel very much disposable. And like, uh, I think they both kind of feel what the other one, they feel one another. Obviously there's attraction and, but I think it's really like, can you hold me? Like, can we just for one moment exist between... Can we like, can we go somewhere else? Like, I don't know how much, I don't even know. You know, I think this is a bit dramatized, but I think, cause I thought, you know, the the ending of this film is so ambiguous in a way, but I think that it felt like a really big death. And I think like Desi and Levy are like, who knows how long we'll live? Who knows if like, I'll even make it till next week. Like we're black, you know, like we don't have shit. So I think they see that in one, I think they see that one in one another and there's a playfulness to them because it's like, well, all we have is right now. <laughs> like, like there are no guarantees. So you there's might no guarantees. 
Yeah. 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 I mean, I just think that, you know, um, I would be remiss. Like, I think that you are wonderful in this film, but I also got to go to the premiere of Zola at Sundance this year. Oh, you did? I did. And it's just extraordinary. So, I mean, you know, this may sound kind of left field, but I do feel like Zola and Duffy have a little bit of, of commonalities and a lot oh, of- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's definitely yeah. a through line and it's a, it's a, it's a- it's a desire to be heard, but I also think it's just like, you know, being a black woman, like you're carrying so much and it's already presumed that you do. And even if you don't see it, it's there. And it's just, I think these two women, they internalize it and profess it in similar ways, which is through their sexuality, through trying to, to get ahead of it, through, you know, just it's, but it, but it still comes from a very, um, it, it's kind of lonely and and I feel like again very it's ga- it's like that gaslighting I think yeah and I also feel like it's just their will to survive there's a lot of commonality in this thing. their will to survive yep they're just doing kind of what they need to do in order to survive and so I think that comes across beautifully and it, it's like similar but yet different in, in your portrayals of both roles but I think that they're both kind of beautifully done so Thank you know Yes. And so like having this experience of working with Coleman Domingo both times, because like, <laughs> but Coleman's characters are like dramatically different yes. in both of these roles. Kind of talk about the experience of working with Coleman on Ma Rainey and then also working with Coleman on Zola, because I feel like they're like two completely different worlds. And I honestly just cannot wait for everyone to see Ma Rainey, see you both in this. And there's a turnaround and see you lead Zola the way you do. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, I mean, Coleman is sunshine. Like, he is just such a a beam of light and just cares so deeply and cares so deeply about our souls and, you know, just, just being available. And he makes it fun and we laugh and, like, you know, we all, he's just... Coleman is something else. He's really special. I'm just happy that I think I always joke with him. I'm like, a lot of people, I'm like, I hope they've had a good snooze because, you know, like you're just, he's just really special and really just good. You know, like you take all this away, you know, like you tell this story, you tell that story, whatever you do. But when you take all of it away and you're sitting in your home, like, are you any good? Like kind of reminds me of what Tony says, but are you any good? Like, who are you when you strip all that away? And I can absolutely, I mean, I think Coleman approaches his roles from a really deep place of of empathy as to how, you know, you have to empathize with the villain. In Zola, he's the villain, but, and then, you know, as Cutler, he's kind of the, the, like, he's just like the grounding force and the like bridge of like, okay, but let's, we have a song to do, you know? I'm like, I don't want to get into it with you about God. Like this is what keeps me going, you know? And he just approaches it from such a, just a very human, real place of, of depth, I guess, or, or warmth or yeah. I don't even know if that makes sense, but no, it makes sense completely. I mean, listen, we, at the end of the day, I like to say we're all just human beings who should be kind to one another because our fate is always the same. Uh, Right. We're all, there's like a million different paths, but we're all on the one. Yep. We're all on the one. And I hope it can be love. I think that's the whole point. You know, you keep coming back till you get it. 
And um, it's this experience of like maybe experiencing all that you aren't so you can remember what you are and what you're an extension of. And like, it's, uh, there's a spiritual teacher I love who always says, we're all just walking each other home. So that's absolutely true. And so, you know, I just think that this film is so poignant even now, like just going back to August's plays and just how his words are just so timely, um, especially with everything that we've been going through as a community of people. So it's nice to have this body of work be able to just kind of lift us out of that. So for you, what do you hope that audiences kind of take away from this particular film? And what did you learn kind of on this set and through this process that you're carrying with you? I mean, I just hope that, you know, given consciousness and where we're at in 2020, we are, I hope that people can be more sensitive and thoughtful about what it is that we've been, what we've been trying to say for so long and really, really empathize the the weight of like, you know, we're in 2020, I think about 10 years ago, like it was 2010. So we were two years into having the first black president. So you take it back to 1920 and some, I think some of that unresolved um, trauma and pain and, but how like we somehow turn our pain into something like, you know, into some kind of paradise, into laughter and joy. And we, we process it by like giving still. And um, I hope that just watching it, you feel like August heard you and this is for you, for us. And um that diet, the dialogue is just so rich. Like you might need to play it, run it back, you know, but sit with those words because this was someone who very much felt you and he lives on and Chadwick lives on and this work will live on. And I just hope, you know, people feel celebrated, but also like, you're not alone in this. Like we, there's a collective string that's holding us all together even when we haven't even really pro- even when we're toxic to ourselves even when we're toxic to one another you know you still are very much felt and understood and I just hope this will be a vehicle to having us really come together you know I hope so too um you know because I think that's what we need we need the community aspect of life again you know and it has been such a challenging year but I really do hope that people kind of understand our lens and our perspective. And I do think that, you know, using August's words um, so beautifully really kind of helped get that point across. Um, And I appreciate that how no matter what the generation is, there are such like bold uh, teachings that can be found in his words. And so, yeah. So what, what did you kind of learn or take away with yourself just from working on this experience and working with these other artists on how to really portray this um, and and portray all of this to us? Because honestly, I feel like August is always speaking to our community when he had. Yeah. (laughs) I just felt proud that I was, I felt like finally readily available and uh, readily available to myself and that I could finally practice that inside outside validation and not the other way around, you know, like anytime that I'm approaching anything from the outside and I failed myself and I failed the character and um, just trusting as it, to, like, it's an oversimplification, but like most of our, most of, I think most of our job as a human being and also as whatever we do for me being an artist is most of my job is to relax because from relaxing, I trust. And I don't mean just like vegging out on the couch. I mean like 
like let's we make too much too much too much too much of this like is love at the root of it like why do you want this is it because you think it'll do like let's get down to the bottom of like what is this going to do is it going to expand you is it going to grow you is it going to challenge you can you face yourself because all the things that come up in my personal life that I haven't healed come up in my work you know where I'm not yet free and like I think that I just I this movie just marked the film and the process and George and what he asks of you is also what I had been already asking of myself. So it just felt like really validating to have already started that work. And then it just be like in my outer world. So I just, I mean, I learned that they're all such incredible people and artists and they're really about the work. They're really about, and I don't just mean the acting work, but like their, their work on themselves and what they're doing for others and what they're leaving behind for, you know, the next so well I mean I think it's fabulous I've already seen it three times because to your point I had to just kind of fit with it you know um a few times over and over again but you know your performance in this is extraordinary I cannot wait for everyone to see and I cannot wait for everyone to see Zola as well and you know for me it just feels like this was meant to be you were meant to portray Desiree you were meant to portray Lola you're meant to go on and create some other wonderful bodies of work so I'm so glad that the timing aligned in your personal and professional life to just be able to have that that creative freedom uh, to be able to thank you so much yeah these dream roles for a black woman let me tell you yes yes thank you so much for everything for your time and those wonderful questions Yes, thank you so much for chatting with me. Uh, You know, we really appreciate it at the Color Grade Podcast. Thank you. See you later. Peace and blessings. Stay safe. Blessings to you too. And now for our next segment, Let KB Put You On. For this episode's pick, I am going with Virgin River. It is a romantic drama currently streaming on Netflix based on the novels of the same name by author Robin Carr. You know, Virgin River, I will admit, does not have a ton of people of color, but it does have a lot of heart and a lot of drama. So Virgin River follows Melinda, aka Mel Monroe, who is a midwife and nurse practitioner. You know, when we find Mel, she is sweet, she's bold, she's brilliant, but she's also broken. And she's really going through um, grief from the loss of her husband. I discovered Virgin River during the pandemic lockdown, and I immediately became smitten. Y'all know I love, love, love white, messy drama, and Virgin River 100% gives us white, messy drama plus more. So if you are looking for a show with romance and love triangles and even a murder mystery, I won't spoil with who, then Virgin River is definitely for you. You know, in season one, we are really, really focused on Mel's journey about starting over and escaping the pain of her husband's death with her move to Virgin River in uh, North Northern California. But in season two, it's really about confronting his death, forgiveness, finding herself again, and finding love with the local restaurant bar owner and former U.S. Marine Jack Sheridan. So yes, if you are looking for something to watch that's easy, um, light at times, full of heart, and will definitely remind you of Heart of Dixie, which was on the CW, and they also share a couple of the same actors, then definitely check out Virgin. 
Virgin River. Seasons one and two are currently streaming on Netflix. And I think season three is either on its way to production or currently in production. So check out Virgin River. And my film pick for this episode is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Based on the Pulitzer Prize winner August Wilson's play and directed by George C. Wolfe, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom takes place in 1927 Chicago. The play centers on a recording session where tensions rise between Ma Rainey, her ambitious horn player, and the white management determined to control the uncontrollable mother of the blues. Ma Rainey's Black Bottom is excellent. I cannot say that enough. Um, It is full of wonderful, spectacular performances. Uh, Chadwick Boseman just shines in the final performance of his career. You know, it feels almost unreal that he is no longer with us, but having this body of work really and truly honors Chadwick um, and just the great characters that he has brought to life. Viola Davis is a new type of black woman in this production. Um, You know, she does not hold her tongue for anyone. And honestly, one of my favorite scenes is in the beginning when Ma goes toe to toe with white police officers. You know, she has worked so hard to get where she is in her career at this point um, that she doesn't take no for an answer. And she is very firm in her beliefs and what it is that she wants. And seeing not only that side of a black woman, but also seeing a queer black woman portrayed in this light who is just openly herself in every single capacity is just beautiful to see. Viola Davis shines and has this kind of swagger that we haven't seen from her before or any of her other performances. And, you know, I walked away from Ma Rainey's Black Bottom really just needing a full and complete Ma Rainey film. You know, um, this actually only centers on that one particular recording session, but there's so much more to Ma's life. And a lot of people don't know, um, you know, that she is the mother of the blues and we deserve to get more context around her life in a standalone film. Uh, so I would be remiss if I also did not mention the performances of uh, Coleman Domingo and Taylor Page. Uh, you know, all of these artists in this particular film bring it. And, you know, August Wilson brings the dialogue and the words and George C. Wolfe brings the eye of a black man who has these shared experiences to life in such a unique and robust way. You know, this is not the first time that we have seen Viola Davis in an August Wilson production brought to the big screen. Uh, But this is the first time that we're seeing her lead one and she does it well. So my my pick is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is currently streaming on Netflix watch it over and over and over again I can guarantee you that with August Wilson's iconic words you will want to watch multiple times and get the full experience again and again we hope you enjoyed this episode of the color grade podcast I'm your host KB and you can find me on social media at the lady KB at the lady K-A-Y-B on Instagram and Twitter. Also, please follow the Color Grade Podcast on all social media platforms at Color Grade Pod. The Color Grade is produced by Domino Sound with lead producer and editing by Randy Chapman. Mom? 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.